Welcome to Daybreak Devotions, a podcast version of the daily radio ministry of the McLeansville Baptist Church with your host, Pastors Mike Barnett and Corey Cantrell. And good morning and welcome to Daybreak Devotions. It's Wednesday, middle of the week. That means it's soon to be church gathering time. And I hope that you're making plans. I hope you've got a place to be tonight together for worship. You know, I'll just say, if you don't have a place to worship tonight, just come on out and join us here at McLeansville Baptist Church. We sure would love to see you and meet your meet your acquaintance. Make your acquaintance. I thought you were going to say meet your face. <laughs> oh, that would be kind of, that, that would come across kind of harshly. Well. Not welcoming and hospitable. That takes us back to uh, today's. Study and Sunday's message. <laughs> Sometimes it's how you interpret it. I am learning that in a multitude of different ways. Well, where there's a multitude, there needs to be loaves and fishes. Got that right. Well, uh, back to what we were doing, which is welcoming you to today's Daybreak Devotions. We hope you have enjoyed your week so far, and we have just an information-packed day for you here on this program. So you're not going to regret being here. We've got a Bible study discussion we want to do that is going to harken back to Sunday here at the church where we spent the both services on Sunday looking at what it means to be enthused with God or enthused for God, enthused by God, enthused in God. And Any all way the you want above. To say it. Yeah. It, it, because that's completely, totally right to say it all of those ways. But before we get there, we've got to get you kind of caught up on a lot of other things. I'm, I'm undecided on which way to go first. Even as our theme music was playing for the broadcast, I was still doing a little research. Oh. I am I'm oozing with information over here. I'm enthused about it, too, by the way. You are enthused with the ooze. Yeah. Well, <laughs> I tell you what. Let's, uh, let's do this because I think... I think the word of the week will go more with a good intro into the study. Okay. So let's do this new feature. What is it, you say? It's our church calendar update. Right here, we've got the updates for you. Friends, I hold in my hands. Hold on just a second. Now I hold in my hands multiple editions of the church calendar. Now you may be asking yourself, which church calendar is it? Which church calendar is it? I'm glad you asked. <laughs> Actually, I have multiple church calendars here. I have dug deep into the annals of information, and I have the Church of England church calendar. I have the... Missouri, uh, or the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod Church calendar. I have the uh, Reformed Church calendar, <laughs> which is when you didn't like the other calendar. <laughs> wow. Come up with a new one. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love it. Uh, Hold, wait a minute. <laughs> this just dawned on me. There is a Reformed Church calendar. The Lutheran Church is a Reformed Church. Yes. Boy. Well, everybody... I, Look, there has to be more reformation. The church gets stale and dull, and somebody's got to reform it. Again, oh. again, look at what we're going to be discussing today from Scripture. I, I, I guess I understand. I think I guess it's just kind of humorous, the uh, terminology that we use. You know, the one thing I don't have is our McLeansville Baptist Church calendar. You have one of those on hand? 
Oh, uh, I did, and I'm pretty sure my wife borrowed it in the oh, service the boy. other day to fan herself. Well, it doesn't matter. We know what's going on around here. Oh, wait a minute. I thought I had left a few in here in the uh, broadcast room, but I have also hauled them off occasionally, uh, thinking I might need one somewhere else. So, <laughs> yeah, we, we have not really done this. Uh, you know, you might not remember, but way back in January, I talked about doing church calendar updates mm-hmm. and looking at events around the world and how they impact our faith or our faith impacts those. Oh, no, I thought you were going in a different direction with that statement. I don't remember that. Yeah, well, it's because... I haven't really done it a lot. Yeah. But we've been doing other things. But, hey, it's October, it's fall of the year, and there are a lot of big things happening, so why not? You know, uh, on our church calendar, we've got some important things coming up. So next week we have uh, Pastor, I guess, yeah, he's not really an evangelist, though he preaches all over the place, but Pastor Leonard Fletcher will be with us Mm -hmm. on Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday. So Monday and Tuesday, you can come. If you don't have a church, you're welcome on Wednesday. But I'm going to tell you something. I'm going to go ahead and just say it. I'm an ardent believer that you should be in your church under your pastor when your church is meeting. I want to be clear. If you come here on Wednesday night and tell us, yeah, I'm a member over at so-and-so, but I just had to come here, Brother Fletcher, we'll be cordial, but don't expect hospitable. Well... Well, let's be hospitable. We can be hospitable, but let's let's be clear. We're going to be disappointed. Well, can you be hospitable and disappointed at the Anytime same time? Anytime I welcome someone to my house I didn't invite, <laughs> I try to be hospitable in my disappointment. Well, okay, that's a good point. <laughs> anyway, and then uh, I suppose we should share that we have our special fall event coming up on the 28th here at the church from 6 to 8 hour. I guess it's not annual anymore. We didn't have one for a couple of years, but our trunk or treat. It's mm-hmm. our one of our community outreach events from 6 to 8 here at the church, and you are invited to come and be a part of that. That'll be on Saturday the 28th. By the way, I don't want to get ahead of myself because I'll have a church update for that weekend, but that's a big weekend and big first part of the next week. Huh. Yep. Well, Some I'm looking forward to hearing this. that. Well, anyway, to the larger church calendar, I thought it would be uh, interesting for everybody to know that Today is St. Luke the Evangelist Day on the church calendar. St. Luke the Evangelist. You know who St. Luke the Evangelist is? No. You should. Should I? Yeah. Matthew, Mark, Luke. Well, I figured that might be a good guess, but then again, I'm sure there's been a lot of other influential Lukes in the church since that day, so I thought maybe it might have been a different one. Well, I know there was at least one Luke that wasn't in the church who was pretty influential. (laughs) Cool hand. Luke. <laughs> My boy Luke. All right. That Luke smile. <laughs> anyway, uh, St. Luke, as he's known in church history. And I didn't know he was an evangelist. Well, I'm just telling you what the calendar says. Mm-hmm. I'm giving you the information. You decide what to do with it. He's also called St. Luke the Evangelist. Um, he is in the Christian tradition. Um, this is from Encyclopedia Britannica, so it's speaking to those of us who don't know. <laughs> in the Christian tradition. He is, of course, the author of the Gospel according to Luke and the Acts of the Apostles. He is a companion, or I guess was, well, still is, a companion of Paul the Apostle, and he and the most literary of the New Testament writers. Let's dissect that statement. Wow. That means that he was the most gifted writer-author? Well, I mean, it stands to reason. I mean, in the words of Kip, look at anyone can prove that, or who... <laughs> I was waiting on you. That was I your didn't cue. know where you're going with that. Well, 
I guess it also stands to reason that, I mean, aside from the Apostle Paul, he was definitely the most educated of all the New Testament writers. As far as we know, because we're still out there hanging out there on uh, Hebrews and who wrote that. That's true. Although it has a very Pauline flavor to it, mm-hmm. I just want to just say. But uh, anyway, so at least there's an argument that could be made that Luke was the most literary of the New Testament writers. We don't have a lot of information on his life. Uh, we know that he was the beloved physician, so we kind of get that. We we sort of can put the two and two together as he traveled with the Apostle Paul. He ministered, but he also probably attended to Paul's many broken bones. So, it, it, there's no wonder that he was beloved, because if you're Paul and endure <laughs> as many beatings and scourgings and all that he endured, it sure is nice to have a physician in your mix. Okay, well anyway, so there's your uh, church calendar update, but I need to make, I'll make a recommendation. Okay. So it's it might be a little late to squeeze this in, tonight's church night and everything, but in honor of St. Luke Day on the church calendar, I would recommend the, the movie Paul the Apostle of Christ. It came out, what, two years ago, three years ago? Oh, actually, man, 2018, that's been out a while. Wow, that's five. Yeah, five years ago. Uh, so if you haven't seen Paul the Apostle of Christ, what are you waiting on? But it stars Jim Caviezel as Luke and James Faulkner as the Apostle Paul. And it basically tracks the life of Paul through the eyes of Luke as he's uh, learning about Paul's journey to faith and all that took place. Very do- Done very well. I enjoyed that movie. I See, I don't know that I've seen that movie yet either. You've got a lot to catch up on. I do. I don't have enough time for television. Yep, we need more screen time. That's exactly right. Well, that's it, folks. That is your church calendar update. For this week. Ladies and gentlemen, this week's Wednesday's Word of the Week. Oh, yes, you're going to love it, folks. Today's word is gullibility. Ah, yeah. (laughs) This has connection to our study today because I'll explain more about that maybe as we go along, but the short version is this. As we were looking at the, the idea of enthusiasm and being enthused and what that word means, I, I, the Lord gave me this opposing word to present to the church on, on Sunday, the opposite of enthusiasm. And it surprised people. In fact, when I said it from the pulpit, I caught one of our members in particular. I know radio listeners won't be able to see this, but he when I when I said what would be the opposite word to enthusiasm, and I gave some examples of what we would typically think, you know, boredom, depression. I said this is the word God has given us, gullible. And he went <laughs> head cocked sideways, scrooched up face, huh? <laughs> And I got it. I mean, it's a weird word. You wouldn't think gullible as the opposite of, of enthusiasm. We'll explain that in a little bit. But on Sunday night, and I might have said it on Sunday morning too, but on Sunday night I know I mentioned uh, that we don't want to be a, a church full of gullibility or something like that. But I wasn't sure if that was a word. It just comes out. You know, a lot of times words will just come out and you're not sure. Most of the time that happens to me when I'm writing. What's the term that you use Sunday as well? That's how they're backformed? Yeah. We, we backform a lot of words. We do backform a lot of words. But actually, I got to looking at this one, and gullibility is a noun. So it literally is a bunch of gullibles. Ness. Put a bunch of gullibles together, and you've got some gullibility. Look at all that gullibility in that room over there. So let me explain something about gullible, gullibility. 
Um, here's an old expression. You ready for this? Let a goal steal my fries once, shame on the goal. Let a goal steal my fries twice, shame on me. Any idea where goal, ab- <laughs> goal ability comes from? Uh, not securing your fries from the seagulls. <laughs> so goes the classic oft-repeated seaside maxim reminding people to guard against being gullible. Okay, that's not really how the old maxim goes, and if you fell for it, we just proved you are a gullible person. <laughs> that's what gullibility is, somebody who's easily duped, cheated, um, misled. Taken advantage taken of. Taken advantage of. So gullible is an adjective that grew out of the older verb gull, G-U-L-L, which meant to deceive or take advantage of. And that word gull originally meant to guzzle or gulp greedily, uh, which comes from an even older gull word meaning throat or gullet. Wow. So put all that together. So some people have the gall to be filled with the gull to just... I didn't got lost. Well, if you're gullible, that means someone has <laughs> swallowed you whole, baby, yeah. buddy. Hook, line, and sinker. But you have to swallow it whole, and then for them to swallow you whole. My I don't hurts. know. It's confusing. Anyway, gullibility is a word. We have proven this. And by the way, I, I'll share a little secret. I didn't say this Sunday, not because of, you know, I didn't want to. I just didn't think about it. This is an interesting thing because last Thursday morning when I was reading the scriptures in the Psalms, and I got that question, which we'll mention in a minute, that question of where is the enthusiasm for God? And so I, would, I had opened up the app on my phone to look up the word enthusiasm. And I've done that before because this word intrigues me. It's just, a, it's just a really neat word. But when I opened my app last Thursday on my phone, the, uh, on the Merriam-Webster app, it always has the word of the day right there. The word of the day last Thursday morning was gullible. And I, I, I didn't pay any attention to it, but it, you know, it's like one of them things that got in my, my head. Mm-hmm. And as I was reading enthusiasm and thinking about it, I, I felt impressed of the Lord go back to that word. And I went back and looked at that word gullible, and it was like, man, this is it. Uh, this is exactly what's keeping us from being enthusiastic for God because we've become gullible people. We just take whatever is handed to us without even thinking about whether or not it's the right thing. Yeah, so not to sidetrack too awful much, but I'm just sitting here thinking this kind of really goes back to our How To Tuesday the other week of you know feeling that sense from the Lord and not suppressing it, but... But going with the thought as you're reading Scripture, as things come, chase, chase those down. That's part of the understanding of the Lord because how easy it is to to look at that and say, that's oh, just me trying to make something. I'm trying to force something, and I'm getting an urge and an inkling, but I need to wait for clarity from the Lord. No, no that was definitely clarity from the Lord. And as you explained it, man, gullibility sure is the opposite of enthusiasm because whenever you take something in, that like you got deceived there's no excitement with it there's no joy it's kind of like almost like a reluctant acceptance of fact like okay it's it's just how it is and here we are dullness and deadness yes is the fruit of gullibility that's right well let's uh let's transition out of this and keep this conversation going right on into the scripture and that ladies and gentlemen is this week's wednesday word of the week let me see if I can lay the groundwork. I know our, our members who are with us Sunday will be familiar with a lot of what we're saying here, which is good because it's a good repeat. 
But I was looking at Psalm, the, the Bible that I have at home that I use in my morning devotion and prayer time has Psalm 111 through Psalm 115 all on the same page. Obviously, it's small, smaller print, but I was just looking at that page, and as I described Sunday morning, uh, last Thursday, it was like one of those moments that you see in a movie where everything blurs except the thing that the character is seeing. Mm-hmm. And it's just like this Bible page kind of all blurred except highlighting how that every one of those Psalms, Psalm 111, 112, and 113, start with, Praise ye the Lord. And I saw that, and it just leapt off the page to me. Wow, look at the enthusiasm that the psalmist has for God. And the, the immediate question that followed in my heart was, where is the enthusiasm for God today? And I was thinking about the church, and I was thinking about experiences that we have in church. And, you know, without, being, um, without casting down on our church families, our church congregations, just speaking to some reality, it does feel like that there's a lack of enthusiasm across the church today. Mm-hmm. But there's also a general lack of enthusiasm across culture today. Yes. And I think that that that's that merits some digging into as well as some explanation. Now, Paul says, just to give some more scriptural context, I love these verses in Colossians chapter 3. Paul says in Colossians 3.17, Whatsoever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God and the Father by him. Now, I'm going to define enthusiasm in a moment. But basically, Paul says God should be in everything that you do, whatever you do in word or deed. Do it in the name of the Lord, giving thanks to God. And in verse 23, he says, Whatsoever you do, do it heartily as to the Lord and not unto men. There's context in the letter to both of those verses. Verse 17 is given in the context of worship. Verse 23 is given in the context of our work. But that's a pretty good delineation of the way our life goes. Not that we want to draw lines between the two, and Paul wasn't. He wasn't saying you have a work life and then you have a worship life. Now, that's how most people live. Mm Mm-hmm. What he's saying is, is your life is consistently in God no matter what you're doing. Because you go back to the beginning of the chapter where he says your life is hid with Christ in God, Christ who is our life. But a lot of times our problem, one of our problems is, is we have this secular, sacred divide. Yeah, we've, we have stopped seeing it as two sides of the same coin. So they're they're different, but still the same. And so, yeah, when I'm in work, I might be acting differently than when I'm in worship, but I should still be doing both of those just as much in God as the other because you can't separate them. Well, let's define the word both in the way it's used today predominantly and the way it, what it actually meant originally. So enthusiasm, today if you think about enthusiasm, you typically think of someone who is excited, they're celebrating something, And the most basic modern meaning of the word enthusiasm is strong excitement of feeling. We might say getting stirred up about something. Now, a lot of people describe their experience at church as, man, I just got stirred up. Well, what does that mean? Because that could just be the modern definition of enthusiasm. Now, to the listener, hold on, I'm going to explain that. But it could be that you just got stirred up in a feeling. Feelings are wonderful. God gives us them. But if it's limited to that, we miss something. Yep. So what is the original meaning of the word enthusiasm? Well, you go back to where the word originates out of the Greek, enthusiazo, and the root word is entheos or entheos. Uh, en 
is the word for in, and theos or theos is God. And so basically it meant to be inspired or possessed in the Greek culture, to be inspired or possessed by a god. Of course, they had many gods. So the original meaning of the word is to be full of God, in essence. Matter of fact, uh, I found this little brief article. It's probably an excerpt is what it is from the writings of Norman Vincent Peale. And the title of it is Be Enthusiastic, Be Full of God. I was looking this morning before we come in to record this, and he actually writes this too. Uh, He says, uh, the word enthusiasm is derived from two little Greek words, en and theos, with, with theos being the Greek word for God. So enthusiasm literally means, in its root concept, full of God. Maybe that's why enthusiastic people are so often creative and joyful. That was his, hmm. his statement. Oh, by the way, can I backpedal just a minute to St. Luke again? Sure. He's not only the, the patron saint of physicians, but he's the patron saint of artists. Really? I don't know why, but that yeah, was interesting. Because of his, his literary ties being recognized well, he as... he was the most literary yeah. writer. Well, anyway, coming back to this now. So, uh, so then we think about work, worship, all of it, but let's go back to just in church. Is our church experience one of enthusiasm because we are just stirred up about how great it was, or is it an experience of being so filled with God that when we walk out of the church... What are we talking about? Are we talking about what a great preacher, what a great singer, what a great experience, or are we talking about what a great God? Yeah. And that's the telltale sign, if you will. Man, I'm telling you, that, that makes it really difficult because you can't, you can't pass the buck on that. You can't just redirect and say, well, he ain't talking about me right there because that's a challenge to every single person that comes into every single worship service because it's not like a one-and-done decision. When we come tonight for our midweek Bible study and prayer meeting, what am I coming in? Am I coming in enthusiastic of, you know, the getting to see everybody and what we're going to do? Am I leaving that, or or am I enthused, filled with the presence of God? And I'm going to have to make the same decision on Sunday and then the next week. This is a constant thing that we have to keep readily in front of our mind. Well, one of the things that I posed early in the message on Sunday was the question, I asked everybody to think about, look over the past week, and can you name one to three things that you were enthusiastic about? That was before I defined the original meaning. So we, went, we hadn't even brought into that it means being filled with God. Just using the basic common definition, and to the listener right now, look back over the past week. Have there been one to three things that you could list that you were really enthusiastic about, really stirred up, excited, had this intense, eager uh, interest and, and anticipation for doing something, or while you were doing it, it was just, oh man, this was such an awesome experience. And I think that it's eye opening to do that exercise and to realize how unenthusiastic we are. Yep. We really, and, and then you, you come right down to it, and most of our enthusiasm, now given that we know both definitions, most of our enthusiasm, to borrow from, uh, the uh, what we were talking about earlier off, it's artificial enthusiasm. We'll call it AE yeah. <laughs> because we're actually doing it. We're getting it. And not that it's bad. I don't want to imply that it's bad, but our enthusiasm is coming from the outside in rather from the inside out. Yeah, it's a vicarious experience. Yeah, we're- which is, again, and I tried to be clear on Sunday, we're not throwing off on those things. But true enthusiasm 
needs to originate on the inside outwardly even to those lesser experiences. Well, and to, to borrow another analogy from that same source that, that you're referencing about the artificialness, you know, the vicarious enthusiasm is like the froth on the beverage. Like, it, when taken in its entirety, you, you enjoy the froth. It's got some purpose, but it doesn't have any substance. And so if the only thing that you're getting is froth, you're getting well, a bunch of emptiness. Good. It looks good. It has a kind of a tingly feeling. It's, it's, got, some, it's got some satisfaction. Satisfaction is <laughs> not the right word. Some pleasure, some enjoyment. But you've got to have the richness of the beverage that is frothed instead of just, you know, said froth. And the same thing with the vicarious enthusiasm, excitements. Um, you did a great job of, of highlighting those things actually become richer when they're done in their proper place, in the proper way. You actually get more enjoyment by doing them in, with, for, and alongside of God and being enthused about Him first and foremost. Now the other things take on a next level of, of enjoyment. Well, I was thinking about this this morning on the ride in, too. You know, something that we have to consider, even with our discussion on the artificial intelligence thing and this thing about enthusiasm, is we're living in a time where there is this simultaneous effect that is happening. We'll call it a downward effect because I don't, I don't know a, a good way to put it right now. But on the one hand, you've got this decreasing enthusiasm mm -hmm. in the true sense of the word, meaning... In culture, society, there is less of God-filling things. There is a turning away from God. There's a rejection of God being a part of stuff. There's a lot of scoffing. Well, even in the church, we're seeing this downward trend away from true enthusiasm. We're seeing it in the human heart. So at the same, so at the, so at the same time, where there's this downward trend of enthusiasm. There's this uptick in things like anxiety mm -hmm. and grief and disappointment, even to the point of we're seeing a lot of despair in culture. The effect of that, well, we could talk about that for a whole other broadcast, but I think that is one of the reasons that people are jumping to the um, vicarious or the shallow or the, the quick, well, go back to what we said last week. The world can be defined as distraction and sedation. Mm-hmm. When you're in that downward push, that spiral into my life has no enthusiasm, no God, no enthusiasm, uh, my life is filled with anxiety because of everything I'm seeing and hearing. So even for the Christian, again, the lot experience, the vexing of the soul, then people start turning to all this stuff to just kind of distract them from all that. Yep. You know, Sunday night we prayed, led in prayer, God help us to give our full attention and our full affection to you, well, I tell you, I know I can look at the uh, the old clock on the wall and say that it's time to get off. <laughs> it sure is. <laughs> so I don't know. Uh, I feel like there was more that we needed to say about all this. Uh, we'll just see what tomorrow holds. We'll leave everybody hanging on, but maybe uh, that increases our enthusiasm. I will say this: shout out to one of your favorite all-time legends of the sports world, Vince Lombardi, uh -huh. who said that if you aren't fired with enthusiasm. You will be fired with enthusiasm. Amen. Have a wonderful rest of your day. We'll see you next time. And we thank you for joining us on today's program. 
We hope that you'll tune in with us each and every day right here on Daybreak Devotions as Pastor Mike and I will discuss various topics in God's Word. If you've got any questions, comments, we would love to hear from you at daybreakdevotion at gmail.com.